In a rural Minnesota town in the 90s, most Sundays you'd find Matt sitting in a ditch, waiting. The ditches there are deep, so if you drove by, you most likely wouldn't see her from the road. And that was the whole point. A car would come zooming down the road, Matt would grip the handlebars of an old Suzuki 125 motorcycle and start counting. Timing was everything. Three, two, one, go. And when the car passed, I would hit the accelerator, kickstand already up, and just race that car. With all my heart, hair flying, big grin, bugs in my teeth at the end of the ride, with just the weeds whacking my leathers. Matt would go faster and faster and then hit an incline and launch into the air. Picture it. 12-year-old Matt flying through the air at 45 miles per hour. Now, picture the look on the driver's face as she sailed past them. Did they look at you with awe? No, most of the time. They didn't know I was there, so it was shock. <sighs> a surprise. That sounds so fun. It was. Matt was a daredevil. Never backed down from a challenge. Matt was a tomboy. Matt would ride anything that went fast. Not for the adrenaline rush, just because I could. And enjoy the freedom, the wind in my hair. That was Matt. But in the religious community she belonged to, you're not supposed to do much of anything on Sundays, let alone race cars on a motorbike. So for years, she kept it a secret. But then Matt grew up, and she was told to stop hanging out in ditches. This is Homemade, an original podcast by Rocket Mortgage about the meaning of homes and what we can learn about ourselves in them. I'm Stephanie Fu. In this episode, a woman is forced to choose between her religious community and the one place where she felt most at home, on her motorcycle. Trigger warning, there is a very brief reference to domestic abuse in this episode. Matt's given name was Martha. She grew up in northern Minnesota in a hand-cut log home in between Lake Plantagenet and the Schoolcraft River. Her dad was a physician. He once tended to a woman in labor for three whole days, during which the woman spoke to him at length about her religion. By the time she gave birth, Matt's father had converted. And from that moment on, her family became very religious. They attended church on Wednesdays and Sundays, sometimes twice on Sundays, and the church and other church members were the center of their world. As a little girl, how did you picture God? I pictured God as a big man with a beard and long flowing robes, all seeing all everything. If there was like a movie star or something that God, God's personality was like, was there one? So God would be like Sam Elliott to me. <laughs> Ever patient, ever loving, just the best of the best. Sam Elliott, the actor with a southern drawl and a big white mustache. Unconditional love. Very, very much so. But, Matt says, that didn't seem to be the same God everyone else around her was worshipping. I was always reminded that I had to behave a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way. So... If you did something that wasn't pleasing to 
your father, your mother, your God, your church leaders, you were shamed. Something was wrong with you. Mm. So we were always trying to be perfect. We were always trying to follow all the commandments and everything that our church leaders had told us to do because then we would be lovable. Then we would be going to heaven. I see. So it wasn't unconditional at all then? No. Matt first rode a motorbike at the age of 10. She had 50 chickens and sold eggs to local residents. She needed a vehicle, so her father gave her an old yellow Honda Trail 90. Great for making deliveries. Also great for secretly riding around the backwoods. Large, knobby tires with a single cylinder pushing out just seven horsepower. A tiny, gutsy bike for a tiny, gutsy Matt. She tied a milk crate to the back where she would stack the egg cartons. It did the trick. But after a while, Matt traded in the Trail 90 for something with a little more kick. The Suzuki 125. The Suzuki could go faster. I swear I could climb a tree. Hmm. And then that's when I began really doing my ditch racing. So your parents, they never punished you for it? I didn't tell them about the racing because they didn't want me riding on Sundays. When Matt turned 12, she took things to the next level. Racing boys. If I cut my hair short, tied my boobs down, and with my helmet on, they might not know I was a girl. And they would let me race them. What was one of your, like, most badass races, (laughs) I guess? A super cool race that I remember. We would start at the crossroads And we would race up to the top of the hill. And one of these times, off I came, off the throttle. And I remember going up and over the hill, clearly won. And I just kept on driving. (laughs) Just kept on riding. Stood up on my pegs and just pumped. It gives me goosebumps to this day. Glad you asked that question. I haven't had that memory in a long time. Man, so you were so good, you didn't even need to, like, shove it at anyone's face. You were like, yeah, I know I'm the best. It wasn't about a competition with other people. It was all about me Mm. and the discovery of my strengths. And that had not been pointed out to me as a young woman or a young girl. Right, because women weren't supposed to have strengths necessarily. Mm -mm. Nope. When I was little, because I had been taught and trained... My goal in life was to grow up and be a wife and a mother. That is what I pictured me as a grown-up. So it would be me fulfilling the roles that my church had put out and my parents had put out for me. So, I mean, were you good, though? Did you win a lot? Yeah, I think I won, like, almost every time. (laughs) Okay, so humble. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. But then it was time for other things. Was there a moment of like saying goodbye to the bike? No. It's like the dog left on the porch when the child goes off to college and the child doesn't even look around. Mm. I did not realize I was leaving that great love behind. Matt left the motorcycle behind in a friend's barn. And she went to a religious college where the rules were strict. No alcohol. And she had to wear a dress to take tests. So what was your relationship with religion in college? I mean, obviously this was happening all around you, but like, were you embracing it? Were you chafing against it? 
I was embracing it because that's all I knew. And so I followed. I did what I was supposed to do. It was time to take her faith more seriously. At college, Matt fell in love with a guy named Greg. He was funny and quick, just like her. Lots of fun. Greg was also very religious, very traditional. So they married right away. And Greg, traditional as he was, said, drop this Matt business. Use your given name, Martha. Who was Martha like? Martha was a very good homemaker. Martha was submissive. Never weak, but subdued. Mm -hmm. So did you become that image that you thought you would become when you were a little girl? I did. For a while, Martha rode a small scooter around campus just to get around. But Greg said proper women didn't ride motorcycles. He explicitly, like, sort of forbade you to ride motorcycles? No, you didn't have to be that strong with me. Just say, that's not a good idea, and I'm okay. Because you wanted to be a good wife. Right. Despite Greg's rules, Martha loved her religious community. So when Greg later became a leader in the local church, she embraced her role as his supportive wife. We would pray together, we would sing together, we would study together. It was a family. The church was a family for me, and I I enjoyed that sense of home and sense of friendship. Was there a moment where you or Martha that you missed Matt? No, I don't think there was a moment where I missed Matt. I believed I lived Matt to its fullest. I raced every ditch, everything I wanted to do. Mm. But I missed the freedom. Mm. I missed being able to make my own decisions. And I miss being able to have the autonomy in my own life. Right. I miss that. When did you first notice that there was something wrong with your husband? Probably around when we had our first child. We'd been married about seven years. And I began to notice that sometimes his reactions were unexpected. I would say one thing or do one thing and he'd be upset about it. Like maybe that I hadn't used the right forks at the table. Salad fork versus a dinner fork. Something unreasonable, in my opinion. I know some people like properly set tables. <laughs> That's not an important thing for me. Mm-hmm. And so it was in those instances where I began to see some little cracks coming through. She and Greg had four more children. And over time, she says his behavior became more erratic, more unnerving. Eventually, doctors diagnosed Greg as having schizophrenia. His condition worsened. Life at home got tough. People didn't understand. And when I reached out to my church leaders, we were told we were sinning. We weren't holy enough. We weren't attending our meetings. Pray better. Do more. Work harder and it'll be solved. And it wasn't. Everything came to a head on the 4th of July, 2008. They were at a party thrown for a bunch of homeschooling families. Martha's friend, the host, asked her to grab something from the second refrigerator in the garage. She walked in, and as her eyes adjusted to the dark, Martha could make out a motorcycle in the back corner. A big, shiny Harley. She couldn't resist. Just had to be near it. I'm sure I reached out a hand to touch it. Mm. And my friend's husband came out and he said, you like motorcycles, let's go for a ride. And 
my first impulse was, you're somebody else's husband. I, it's not proper to go on a ride with you. And he says, no, no, it's fine. Let's go for a ride. And one of the first times I ever went to my husband and didn't ask for permission, hmm. I said, I'm going to go for a motorcycle ride. What did it feel like being on that motorcycle after so long? You know how when you go camping and you bank your coals for the night mm-hmm. and you're hoping that when you get up in the morning that you can uncover them and wave on them? You're just not sure if you've got enough coals in there, if you've got enough wood, if it's hot enough. Getting back on that bike was like a flicker of orange, ember, where I could feel that visceral pull back to memories of my dirt biking days and my ditch riding days. It's a pretty powerful moment, but it was just a glimpse. Just a tiny ember. Mm -hmm. That ember turned into a house fire later that evening. Greg had been furious about Martha's bike ride. And how did he take that out on you? Um, do you want me to, do you want me to go there? If you don't feel comfortable going there, we don't have to go there. Um, the reason, the reason I'm hesitating is I'm not sure what I want my children to hear. Greg had a mental health episode, a bad one. And eventually, Martha got an order for protection. I don't think he intentionally, there's a difference between abuse because you have a mean person. And there's a difference when you have abuse at the hands of somebody who's mentally ill. Afterward, the religious elders told Martha to divorce her husband. Unusual for a religion that discourages divorce in general. Martha was now a single mother of five children. But still, the elders expected her to maintain her church responsibilities and keep contributing money. I thought, well, what about me? What about my children? I need this money right now. And I was told, if you are faithful, if you are following what you're supposed to be doing, then you will be blessed. And I had done that my whole life. And look what had happened. I knew that I wasn't sinning. And I began to think that maybe what I had been taught was not the way for me. Years ago, Martha might have continued giving to the church, but after all she'd been through, she needed to make a different choice. I think it's really impressive that you knew deep down inside and you asserted the whole time, like, this was not my fault. Thank you. I was born in those ditches. <laughs> that core. Tell me about the core. Do you think that core was Matt? Yeah, I do think that core was Matt because Matt was the one that rode the bikes and tied the boobs down and was was Matt. Matt knew who you were. Mm-hmm. In the end, Martha left her religious community. It felt sad because I loved my community and I loved the idea of so many things that were taught that I still carry through to this day. And so I felt like I was leaving behind a friend. She realized she was also leaving behind Martha. Martha was submissive and subdued. It was time for a change. 
not many people get the opportunity to redefine themselves, recreate themselves from almost an embryonic state like I felt I was at. So Martha chose a new name, Maddie. Maddie, fun name. And the moment that that came out of my mouth, I'm like, yeah, that just sounds right. That just sounds me. It's a combination of the old, the new, and the the positivity. And my friends looked at me kind of like, okay, Maddie. And what does that feel like when you hear that name? I love it. It adds to the energy that I want to bring to my life every day. Do you remember a moment really empowering where somebody told you you couldn't do something you weren't allowed and you decided, no, I, I decide what I want to do now? It was when I bought my first car. I hadn't made my own purchases before. I hadn't managed my own money. I hadn't done my own taxes. It wasn't what I did. And how did that feel? It felt scary because I was worried about making the wrong decision. And it, to me, was a chunk of money. I think it was like $8,000. It didn't last a whole lot of time, but I learned the lessons that I needed to learn from it. And that felt good. New name, new life outside her former community. But Maddie didn't want to totally step away from God, from having what she calls a way back to heaven. So she sought out other churches and other religions, even went to some of their services. I remember the first time I walked into a church other than my church of my youth and thought for sure the ground was going to open up. And I realized the world is not falling apart. I'm not getting struck by lightning. And I know that sounds like I'm over-dramatizing it, but until you test those waters, you're just, you're not sure. I asked Maddie about Sam Elliott and how she'd lost that kind of God. Patient, kind, thoughtful. I wondered if she found in one of these new churches a God who provided unconditional love. No, I did not find that unconditional love in any of the churches. I found that on the back of my motorcycle. One day, Maddie visited a new friend, Mark, who lived on a farm. They were walking around when Mark headed into a barn and wheeled out an old dirt bike, a Kawasaki 250. Maddie's face lit up. And he said, do you want to take it for a spin? And I did. And it was a pasture. It was full of little manure piles. And I jumped on the bike. It was kickstart. Kicked it. Started driving. And I remember weaving my way through the manure piles and tufts of, of grass. Tell me about what happened to the ember. Riding around in that field made me feel like it confirmed that I do have embers, I do have strength that I can tap into as I need to, and, and I'm going to be okay coming through what I've come through because I have that fire. And I just remember realizing that, for me, religion is not a church, not a place you worship, but it's a sense of spirituality. And so that was when it was in that field where I'm like, this is my religion. Describe to me, I want to feel like what God on a motorcycle feels like. When you're on the back of a motorcycle and you go down into a dip, the air gets cooler. When you drive by a field, you can smell the crops. When you come up and over a hill, you can feel the warmth of the sun. You can hear, feel, taste, smell. Everything is alive on the back of a motorcycle. 
And to me, that's what God is like. God is not about subduing or limiting. God is as endless. After the visit to Mark's farm, Maddie bought a used Yamaha 600 and taught herself how to ride again. How to find the right balance between her front and back brakes. One without the other meant she could go flying over the handlebars. As she practiced that, Maddie also found balance in life. These days, she's free. Her five children are all grown up. She works as a speech therapist, and she rides with a group of women. And she rides her forever bike. Maddie called it Zeus. All right, Zeus, ready to go for a ride? A 2014 Indian chief, a beast of a road bike. Zeus, father of all gods and humans. Have you had some meaningful realizations on the back of your motorcycle? I have. I have realized that nobody's telling me that, hey, you have to put your kickstand down, or you can't ride a big motorcycle because you're a woman, or we're going to limit you on where you go and what you see and what you do. So you were saying that what you missed all of those years was freedom. Mm -hmm. And this felt like kind of the purest form of freedom. Mm -hmm. It did. Being able to choose for ourselves and be positive about those choices. On a recent visit to Denver, Maddie did make a bad choice. She was visiting her son and decided to take his friend's bike for a spin. A crotch rocket, they called it. Small and very fast. Maddie turned onto the freeway and started gearing up. That's when she saw a police car turn on its lights behind her. And then I realized I don't have my driver's license. It's not my bike. And so I thought, well, what if I try to outrun them? And I quickly opened it up. I think it was six gears. Then wound her out, quickly put distance between myself and the uh, lights in the background, took the next exit and found my way back home. And pulled in and I said, thanks for the ride. I do not think I told him. So we should put this in the, in the garage now. Maddie knew it was wrong. But there was something in that isolated incident that brought back that little kid hiding out in a ditch in rural Minnesota, sitting on the back of a Suzuki 125, the place she felt most at home. Martha probably would have been cheering from the sidelines, but probably would have not climbed on the bike for a variety of reasons. And Maddie would tell Martha, go on, get on the bike, you know you can do it. You've been listening to Homemade by Rocket Mortgage. My name is Stephanie Fu. You can reach us at rocketmortgage.com slash homemade. Thanks for listening. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030.